Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. Good evening, everyone. John Engelhart here. Glad you're tuning in, and I'm telling you what, it's tough right now because I've got a big pair of shoes to fill. Ed Meyer has uh, hosted this show for 121 segments and i'm going to try to take over as best i can hopefully somewhere along the line i'm going to be able to to have ed be uh, my guest on the show as he had me on so many times and it was great to listen to uh ed as he as he reached out across the nation uh to significant people in racing at all different levels on all different subjects i'm going to try to continue the tradition that that ed started here on winning ponies a site where you can go to get a lot of winners and over the next few segments we will hear uh from people telling you that they've used winning ponies and trust me it works uh this evening i'm very blessed to have two good friends on the show one Hall of Fame jockey Chris McCarron is going to join us. Uh, Chris, just an amazing career, uh, not only as a jockey, but now as a head of a racing academy. And Chris is going to tell us more about that. Uh, And then I'm going to have uh, the managing editor of the Thoroughbred Times, Tom Law, will be with us. And what what I love about Tom is uh, he he didn't just uh, come from the ivory towers of of an English literature. He uh, grew up in Saratoga, New York, so you know he had a fondness for the horses. I do see him at the track quite often at different tracks uh, throughout the Midwest. I know he loves to play the game, and he's going to help us with the handicapping portion of it. So uh, let me just kind of get along. This is just an amazing part of the year. August, all of a sudden, upsprings Saratoga and upsprings uh, Delmar on the, the two sides of the coast. It, it's an amazing balance. Yet you can almost uh, hurt your neck going from TV to TV at the simulcasting centers or, or racetracks that you're at. So, uh, of course, uh, last weekend, uh, one Jim Dandy of a race, the Jim Dandy at Saratoga, a mile and an eighth, and we got to see what Stay Thirsty had. Stay Thirsty seems to be a New York, New York kind of horse. Uh, came into the race off a very close effort in the Belmont Stakes, but just blew away from him in the Jim Dandy Stakes uh, by four lengths. It was an easy win. Kind of a surprise second there with Moonshine walking. Uh, Dominus was the favorite in there with Jackie Julian Leperou up. Uh, Dominus uh, was a big part of the pace in there, but just didn't hang on. Again, stay thirsty. 
Can he stay out of the way? A big mo. We'll find out. Uh, just previous to that race was the Diana, another a grade one at Saratoga, going a mile and an eighth, a half a million up for grabs. And it was a European invader called Zagora making her first U.S. score. It was an extremely exciting race. Uh, Zagora got up at the, the wire. Uh, she's a four-year-old French-bred filly who was ridden for the first time by red-hot Xavier Castellano, who was just having an amazing weekend. Uh, he, he's been ruling the, the East Coast, and out on the out on the West Coast, it's been uh, uh, my close personal friend, Rafael Bejarano, who just tore him up and had an amazing weekend. Well, in the middle, before we go out to the West Coast, uh, we, of course, had the uh, Haskell Invitational, another grade one, this one offering a million dollars. Of course, the Haskell has been run since 1968, and some amazing horses have won the race, uh, like uh, 49er, Holy Bull, Serena Song, Skip Away, uh, War Emblem. Uh, it, it, the list goes on and on, but Point Given was a horse that won this race, and Last week, his son Coyle won the race. Uh, Coyle, I'll tell you what, I, if you gave me $50 to bet on him at the half-mile pole, I wouldn't have done it. Coyle showed speed in all of its first five races. It had three wins. All of its career races were on synthetic tracks. And so it comes into Mammoth Park, draws the rail, has speed, and ends up at the back of the pack. Uh it just put in an amazing kick there uh, around the stretch. It had to go on the outside and came up. Of course, meanwhile, um, Shackelford, who had stumbled at the start and was favored in the Haskell, uh, looked to be very, very strong in the middle of the lane. And with a 16th of a mile to go, it looked like Shackelford was going to get it. But on the outside was Coyle, and Coyle, just very, very impressive, comes up and wins. So uh, we're, it's going to set up for a very, very interesting Traverse Stakes. Before we leave the East Coast, there was a five furlong track record broken at Saratoga. Horse by the name of J.C.'s Pride established the Saratoga track record for five furlongs on the main track in the third race on July 27th, uh, just lowering it by .17 seconds. It'll be interesting. They say that uh, this horse could have smashed it by a full second had he really been asked. So keep the name J.C.'s Pride uh, in your computer for your, your mail for horses that are coming up. Out to the West Coast, again, uh, he said a, a big weekend by my friend Rafael Bayerano. Uh he, he started with Bourbon Bay, who's just turned into a monster turf horse. I uh, got a chance to watch this horse run as a two-year-old on the turf at little old River Downs. He came out of the cradle stakes, and he was sold privately, and since then has just turned into a bear. Uh, he won the Bourbon Bay. Uh, the, uh, I mean, Bourbon Bay won the Cougar the second stakes, on Friday, and then he he turns it up a little bit more, and Trey Barachos in the mile and the 16th San Diego Handicap, a grade two race, upset winner, 1880. Trey Barachos, of course, used to race for Bo Greeley. He sold a horse privately, and all I can say is a guy by the name of George Hickers, real happy he sold him, because Trey Barachos comes right out in his first start for the new owner and uh, wins the San Diego Handicap. Uh, then, of course, the, the Bing Crosby Handicap gave us our second track record of the week. And this time, it was Euro Years who won it. And who was aboard for that one? Well, the same guy that was aboard for the Bourbon Bay and Trey Barachos. That's right, Rafael Bejarano. What a weekend he had. Euro Years sets the pace.
and sets a new track record, 108.7 for six furlongs. Smiling Tiger was second, and Amazombie was third. Going to take a quick jump across the pond because he had some interesting news from Europe this week. Uh, the amazing mare, Goldakova, made history in the pre-Rothschild. She is now tallied in 14 Group 1 or Grade 1 victories in her career. I've seen her race in person. I'll tell you, she's nothing pretty to look at. You'd walk right by her in a $5,000 claimer. But she is just an unbelievable champion. I can't wait till she comes back for the Breeders' Cup this year. Uh, and uh, Oliver uh, Pessier, if I'm pronouncing it right, recorded the 100th Group 1 victory in his career. So uh, quite a weekend for uh, the Irish bred. And, uh, again, we hope to see her back over here in the Breeders' Cup this year. And then, of course, the horse named after Bobby Frankel just keeps winning. Uh, Frankel was unbelievable uh, in that he uh, he beat the champion Canford Cliffs and uh, a horse that had won five consecutive European Group 1 races and defeat, defeated Goldikova in her last start. And uh, in the Sussex Stakes, though, it was all Frankel. Can't wait to see this horse's future. From what they say, he's probably going to race one more time this year, and they're going to put him away. Well, I see that uh, we've got our first uh, caller on hold. Evan is out there. Evan, welcome to Winning Ponies. Hey, John. How are you? I'm doing great. I feel good. I, this is a great time of the year for racing. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. So well, you fall into some luck lately, or what? <laughs> I fall into a little bit of luck, yeah. Maybe not as much luck as uh, some... Some pretty good analysis from uh, Winning Ponies, but um, I was at uh, Del Mar over the over the weekend on Saturday for a uh, company event, and it's one of these things where uh, you know we got to come down and take a few summer interns and, and have a good old time. And you know, on on the train, I was uh, telling telling all of our, our interns that uh, <laughs> I got this uh, got some pics from uh, from the internet, and uh, I don't know how I convinced them to to go along with me, but we now, when decided, you say from you know, the internet, it wasn't just any vague site, right? It wasn't just any site. It was uh, it was winning ponies, and <laughs> uh, I convinced them. Uh, in fact, it was five of us. We had three interns, plus we had our you know kind of supervisor there. Um, uh, it was actually one person who, who for some reason, didn't want to go along with it, and he uh, he, he definitely you know I think regrets that decision now. <laughs> I'm sure but, he's paying uh, for it today. Well, uh, tell me about it because I heard there were pretty some pretty solid prices. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, so here here's what we did. We we went uh, went and did a um, a pick three. Uh, starting in the fifth race at Del Mar uh, over the weekend on Saturday, so we did uh, uh, yeah pick three, and it was an eighteen dollar bet. So we picked uh, three possibilities in the fifth race, uh, three possibilities in the sixth race, and then just two uh, in the seventh race based on the analysis. And um, the the fifth race kind of starts off, and you know we're all you know fairly I would say novice. I, I certainly am not not an expert, and and I, I think for for Almost everybody else there, this was their first time at the racetrack. Oh, that's so. great. We love to get them hooked early. Oh, yeah, yeah. And in fact, <laughs> we, we certainly took notice of the uh, of the sign that they have posted that, uh, you know, if you or a friend has a gambling problem, they, they give you the 800 number to call. So <laughs> we, 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 the you know, problem we did, is we I didn't bet it out just in case. But, um, uh, but in any case, so we, um, you know, we, we all kind of went up in line, and uh, I was first, uh, you know, gave the uh, gave the ticket and uh, kind of passed that along to everybody else as they all kind of like 
you know, went down like lemmings <laughs> to, uh, to place their bets and get the ticket. But um, we started uh, in the fifth race, and uh, our, our one of our our guys, uh, well, two of the guys just didn't 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 make it. But um, uh, uh, unfortunately, you know, the uh, the race starts, and uh, you know, like I said, two of our guys are gone. But um, one of our picks, number six, came in second place, right behind right behind uh, horse number four. And so everybody's kind of looking at me, and they're all like, "Well, what, what does this mean? Do we, you know, they, they've never never done a pick three. They have no idea what they, you know, bet on or anything. So they're looking at me like, "Well, is this is this done? Are we done? Can we throw away our tickets now? Gee, thanks for wasting my eighteen dollars." And I'm, you know, kind of like, yeah, trying to avoid making eye contact there. <laughs> but as as one of the guys was like literally about to tear up his ticket, what do those blinking lights mean? <laughs> what do those blinking lights mean? Um, one of the guys is about to tear up his ticket, and all of a sudden we get on the speaker that uh, horse number four was disqualified because he went into six's lane. Don't and ever tear up those tickets. Pick six takes uh, takes first place, and boom, we're we're still in it. And, I remember watching I mean, just, the head on. I was watching that day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible, and, and you know, certainly. The alcohol made it maybe perhaps a little bit more uh, exciting or a little bit more uh, tumultuous, That's <laughs> depending, good. On, how, depending on, on what kind of drunk you are, I suppose. But um, Give me the next legs. Yeah. Uh, uh, leg number six, uh, we picked another winner, an 18-1 first-time starter. That was uh, Winning Pony's second, uh, second pick, an 18-1 first-time starter, uh, which was incredible. And then... The the last race literally was a mad. I mean, just ended at a mad dash. It was nine one. We had picked a horse nine, a horse one, and uh, and then four. And sure enough, nine and one uh, came in uh, first and second. And you know, with a mad dash at the finish, it was it was absolutely absolutely breathtaking. But and, and it was one of these things where you know we heard the announcers say nine, but you know we're looking around. I mean, four was pretty close. I mean, what one was in the mix? It took him a couple of minutes to uh, to put nine up on the board. And uh, you know, then we basically turned an eighteen dollar bet into three hundred fifty two dollars and forty cents. Oh man, Evan, I I love it. And what I love best about this whole thing, besides that you cashed a big ticket, is that you brought new people to the races. Because this is what we've got to do. Each one of us that loves this sport and appreciates this sport has to be an ambassador. And we've got to bring people out. There's only so much you're going to do with marketing and advertising. It's being at the races and cashing that ticket and going back. And then it's infectious because they go tell their friends what a great time they had. Uh, you know, it's colorful. It's, a, it's exciting. It's a fun place to be. There's a great mix of people. It's a social way uh, of gambling instead of just, like, staring at a slot machine or something. Right. And uh, so, Evan, I, I thank you for your story so much. But most of all, I thank you for taking the time to dial up winning ponies, because I'm telling you, th this is a legit place to come and get winners. Yeah, well, no, that's uh, absolutely right. Thanks, John. Evan, I appreciate it very much. Well, uh, coming up next, we've got uh, a, a Hall of Famer who uh, had to build a new wing to his house to put all his trophies up on his mantle over his career. And I'm so looking forward to talking to the one, the only, Christopher John McCarran. Your 
internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Football and so much more is the focus of Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson. Join the former Arizona Cardinals running back for a show that mixes, well, a little bit of everything. Damian brings to the program life experiences playing football and will talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field. The goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific time 3 p.m eastern time on the voice america sports channel the opening kickoff is a beauty it's a fly ball deep right field that goes o'neill he's at the shot got it with 2.8 seconds left to left i don't care where they put him this one is out of here from high school to the pros we we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, back to our second segment of the show, and I'm been looking forward to this all week long. Uh, I'm not only going to get to talk to one of my favorite riders that I idolize, but a gentleman who in my adult life has become a friend of mine. Uh, just to go over a bit of his resume, in 1980, he won the Eclipse Award for Outstanding Jockey. Uh, the same year, though, probably awards that he liked just as much as that were the, the George Wolf, Wolf Memorial Jockey Award and the Mike Venezia Memorial Award. I mean, these awards, you're voted by your own friends and jockeys and competitors. Uh, the Mike Venezia is for extraordinary sportsmanship and citizenship. Of course, uh, if you've watched Thoroughbred Racing, you've seen him win nine Breeders' Cup races, uh, five Breeders' Cup classics, uh, six winners in the Triple Crown races. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring to you from Dorchester, Massachusetts, Chris McCarron. Hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Fantastic. You know, Chris, we, we all hear about your accolades. We've seen you. We've seen you ride. But my sister lives up in Braintree. Said, "Hey, will you ask Chris? I don't know anything about him growing up as a kid in Dorchester." He, she said, "Would you mind asking him what was this like? What was his family life like? And you know, did he play sports when he was a young kid? Uh, how do you like growing up in the Boston area?" Well, first of all, I, I love growing up in Dorchester uh, or Dorchester, as we say up there. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and did I play sports? Absolutely. Whatever the season was, we played. I have five brothers and three sisters, and each and every one of us was fairly athletically inclined. We're not all great, you know, we're not all great athletes, but we're great competitors. Um, and my dad instilled that competitive spirit into each and every one of us. And um, 
when the, the the sport I loved the most when I was growing up though was hockey. I wanted to be a hockey player. Bobby Orr, one of the greatest hockey players that oh, ever yeah. lived, was my hero growing up. I was 11 years old when Bobby came into the NHL at 18 years of age in 1966. And uh, to watch him perform on the ice, uh, man, I just idolized it, and that's where I wanted to go. But I wasn't fast enough, wasn't big enough or good enough or brave enough to be able to, uh, <laughs> you know, get out there on the ice with all those guys. Once I got to the age of 12, I kind of stopped growing, and everybody else kept going. <laughs> <laughs> that was the biggest kid in eighth grade. That stopped. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, it was I didn't plan. realize you had such a big family. Yeah, as a matter of fact, we just got back from our I don't know fourth family reunion. We've done it for the last twelve years or so. Every three years we get together, and I was down in Charleston, South Carolina, for about a week. And um, there were forty-eight of us there, John. We rented three big houses right on the beach, and we had just, just a blast. That had to be it had to be a great time. I mean, with the last name of McCarran, I'm sure there was some fun out there. Oh, you better believe it, <laughs> Chris. For uh, you know, we, we luckily we've got sports fans of all ages listening, but there's probably some kids in their early 20s, if I can call them kids, uh, that that didn't know about your success a, a, as an apprentice. Can you kind of draw a timeline of Chris McCarron's career for them so they can understand wh- where you started and some of the accomplishments you had early on before you were winning the Triple Crown races and the Breeders' Cups? Well, um, I first I got my first job in the racetrack at Rockingham Park. I was a hot walker for Odie Cloan. Uh, Odie also taught my brother Greg how to ride, and uh, actually, most notably, he taught Eddie Arcaro how to ride back in the back in the 30s, but um, I got a job as a hot walker between my junior and senior year in high school in 1971. I went back. I became totally infatuated with horses. I went back and graduated in 72, and I've been on the racetrack ever since. Uh, I worked for Odie in New England, then he moved down to Maryland, and he uh, sent me down to South Carolina to his farm on January 2nd of 1973, and that's where I learned how to gallop horses. I went down there to break some babies, and I was getting on about six, seven horses a day. And uh, 12 months later, I, was, uh, I accepted my first mount as an apprentice on January 24th. I rode a horse for Odie called Most Active, and he finished absolutely way back. Dead last. <laughs> well, you learned and, to get dirt in your face. <laughs> and yeah, I got a lot of dirt in my face, and it was freezing cold, and uh, you know, it's not too warm in Maryland uh, during the, during the wintertime. And then about uh, on my 10th mile on February 9th, I broke my maiden. And, you know, uh, let's see, 11 months later, I left the winter circle on December 31st of uh, a mare called Sarah Percy. And she was my 546th winner of that year. That was a new record, wasn't it? That was a new record. Shoemaker held the record for about 25 years at 485. In 1973, Sandy Hawley broke Shoe's record and won 515 races. And I was actually an exercise rider there at Laurel at the time, at Laurel, Maryland. And I was behind the winter circle when Sandy walked into the winter circle, and I was leaping up in the air trying to get, trying to get it in the air, trying to time it so when the photographer snapped that, uh, the shutter, I would be in the picture. Unfortunately, it didn't quite work out <laughs> that way. But um, 12 months later, I was in the winter circle. On the horse. 
Amazing. Well, Chris, you know, when I look at uh, your, your career, I mean, you, you will go down as one of the all-time greats. Uh, it was about a month or so ago you came up to, to watch one of your uh, uh, North American Racing Academy graduates run, and we had a chance to have a little bite together. And you were telling me about what it was like when you went out to California because you and I are only a few years apart in age, and I guess everybody feels that their age was the heyday, but the, the jocks room that you sat in, the amount of talent was in there. What was it like being surrounded by those guys? It was unbelievable. When I, I rode for, for four years in Maryland, and I thought the thing I was going to miss the most about uh, moving from Maryland to the big time in Los Angeles was the camaraderie in the jocks room because in Maryland – Everybody was friends and socialized, and, you know, when the bell rang, it was every man for himself, but we always had a good time together in the jocks room. There was a lot of kibitzing going on, and then when I moved out to the West Coast, I thought it was, uh uh-oh, bigger money, faster horses, better trainers, and much better jockeys. So I'm going to have to be serious, going to have to just, uh, you know, toe the line, and it's probably not going to be as much fun. Well, I had been there about two weeks. And the clerk of scales was yelling, okay, jocks, come on, let's go. Let's check for the first. Everybody weigh in for the first. And I went to go put my boots on, and they were glued to the floor. <laughs> Who got you? <laughs> None other than the great Bill Shoemaker. Oh, my childhood hero, yes. <laughs> well, I, I guess you, you were what, officially I, accepted I, into the colony at that point, huh? Exactly. I felt like part of the family now, you know? And. <laughs> I could not have been more wrong about the lack of camaraderie. When I got out there, it was so much fun. I, I'd been there about two months, and now these guys start inviting me to play golf on Mondays, and we just became real good friends. Lafitte, Eddie Delahousie, Sandy Hawley, Darren McCarg, uh, obviously Bill Shoemaker, Fernando Toro, some of the greatest riders of all time, and I was blessed to be in the company of them and learn from them on a daily basis. It was the the murderer's row of the jockey kingdom in history, as far as I'm concerned. What what a, what a group of riders! But obviously, you you if nothing else, it's just like any other team. When you play better teams, you get better. And obviously, as good as you were going there, that only had to make you a better man riding against those guys. Oh, without question, I w- I was in school every single day that I rode <laughs> out there, and uh, I was being taught by the the most talented, most knowledgeable professors anybody could hope for that's a, that's a great way to put it and it's a great segue for me because if i sat here and started reeling off your breeders cup winners and your triple crown winners we'd be going past the end time of this show and i hope to have you back on a guest just to discuss some of the great horses you've been on but you're doing something now that's very special that almost sounds like what you just described and that's that's going to school and teaching young riders how to become better uh for those of you that don't know uh chris instead of sitting on his laurels after retirement uh put his mind to work saying, you know, there's other countries that I've been to that have jockey schools. Why doesn't North America have a jockey school? And through a lot of hard work and planning, he pretty much founded the North American Racing Academy in Lexington, Kentucky. And Chris, I'm going to take it from here and let you tell the audience about the school, what happens, and now the fact that you're starting to see the fruits of your labor pay off. Well, when Adam booted home those two winners today, John, that put us at 962 victories so far that our, grad- our graduates have um, been able to get to the winner's circle. And that includes the two that uh, Taylor Johnson 
uh, helped his father get to the winner's circle. Now, Taylor went through the horseman's pathway, and God bless him, he he decided to uh, learn how to ride as well as train. So uh, during the second semester of the two-year program that we have, which is affiliated with the Kentucky Community Technical College System, and my students are officially enrolled at Bluegrass Community and Technical College, Taylor said, you know what, I think I can learn more about being on a horse's back, more about a horse by being on their back, as well as being on the ground. And he took forever to learn how to gallop a horse properly. And you know what, he persevered, he stuck with it, and right now he's getting on horses every morning up at River Downs. He gets on all of the horses for his father, he grooms them, and then he goes and gets on outside horses. When I was up there, when you talked about the visit I made up there, John, when I saw you, I was at the receiving barn, and Taylor came by and he said, Mr. McCarron, I just want to say thank you very much for teaching me how to ride because I'm now getting on horses that nobody, nobody else wants to get on. Huh. And I'm making 15 bucks a head. <laughs> so anyway, he's, he's done a great job, and we've, had, uh, we've got about 14 kids that are riding professionally now. I'm going to use that word kids because to me they are... <laughs> Um, and they're all doing very, very well. Ben Creed is our leading rider, and he's had uh, two leading rider titles that he got at Turfway Park, and Jackie Davis is second leading, leading rider up in Boston right now at Suffolk Downs, and it just goes on and on. I've got a, a young lady who uh, came over here from Bangalore, India. Her name is Aparna Batula, and she's riding up at Delaware Park. Uh, she had a winner yesterday in a second. And I'm just proud of the whole bunch. I mean, I could go on. You talk about end time for the show. Forget about it. We could talk till next week. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, the, the great thing is, I mean, we, we've we've got uh, you know a whole uh, classroom of your kids: Crystal Carmen, Corey Orm, Natalie Turner, as you stated, Ben Creed, and of course Adam Bowman. One of the things I'm most impressed about your riders, besides the fact that they've all broken their maidens here, um, is uh, how they handle themselves. I've got to guess that's got to be part of your influence is, is teaching these kids, hey, you don't get a big head after you win a couple races, or you don't come in here saying, hey, I'm the new jack in town. Um, did, did they come to you that way, or did you instill the fact that, hey, you've got to be a class act? Well, they come to us in different forms, obviously, uh, but it, it's, it's very important for me to impart the, the lessons that I've learned over the years uh, to to become successful. And number one is you treat people the way you want to be treated. Ah, yeah, you've the golden to, rule. You've got to be respectful, and you've got to be... That will lead to being respected. And the uh, we, we, we have a, a course in our program called Life Skills for Jockeys. And it includes learning how to meet people. It, lear- it includes learning how to leave an impression, a good impression on people... For instance, it, I go all the way back to, I told Adam, I said, when you walk into the paddock and you meet a lady, take your helmet off, extend your hand, and give her a firm handshake. When you go out there and meet a gentleman, the guy that you're riding for, grab his hand and squeeze it like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> nice, firm handshake. You know, you want to leave, you want to make a very good impression the first time you meet somebody. Otherwise, you're just another face in the crowd. You only get one now, chance to make a first impression. Right, and it's it's so easy to do. Now, it doesn't always transmit to, or, or translate, I should say, to uh, future, future success with the people that you're meeting, 
but at least you're going to leave an impression that, you know what, wow, that kid's polite, he's courteous, he's respectful, and uh, let's see if he knows what he's doing. So he goes out there and rides. When they get to the wire first, now all of a sudden the impression becomes much bigger. <laughs> exactly. Well, all, all I can say is all the students that you've sent here got A's in that class. I can tell you that. Well, thanks, John. They're, they're good kids, and, and uh, the ones that have gone up there, I, I, this is no joke, the ones that have gone up to Riverdowns and have broken their maidens up there have been the hardest-working students that I've had. Each and every one of those students that have gone up there to break their maiden, even some of the other, like Corey didn't break his maiden there, but he, uh, he rides up there often. Yeah, he, he had a, a triple bagger the other day on three mounts. That's right, three for three. And each and every one of those students, graduates, now professional jockeys, when they, they get to the barn early and they don't leave until they say, is there anything else we need to do? And I love that kind of work ethic in a, in a young person. Well, you, you've done a phenomenal job in doing it, and thank God as you, the numbers you just told us about the amount of winners tells us that the, the program at the North American Racing Academy that you founded is working. Chris, I'm up against a break. Please promise me you'll come back on Winning Ponies with me in the near future. Anytime, John. Thanks for having me. I'll take you up on it. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris McCarron, a Hall of Fame jockey and now a Hall of Fame instructor at the North American Racing Academy. We're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we're going to have Tom Law, handicapper extraordinaire. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This Is It Sports is an engaging talk program that includes you, the experts, and sports, all moderated by Coach Carl Hargrave. We'll talk about what's going on in the general sports world, collegiate and professional, take a look at youth-oriented sports, athletic development and sportsmanship, faith, and where it has its place in sports, along with a lively discussion with Coach Carl every week. Tune in to This Is It Sports with Coach Carl Hargrave every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, great to be back. And I'll tell you what, I really am blessed today because not only... 
I just enjoyed uh, talking to Chris McCarron so much that this, this is like a two-race parlay for me that's going to pay off big because I'm going to get to talk now to Tom Law. Tom Law is the managing editor of the Thoroughbred Times, but as I stated at the top of the program, he, he's a guy that uh, doesn't sit at his desk and type stories. He's a guy that goes out to the races, watches the races, follows them, and knows what he's talking about. Uh, but when he does sit at his desk and type, uh, he does quite a job. Uh, the Red Smith Award is known as the highest award you can get for thoroughbred writing. And uh, Tom won that for a story he wrote uh, on the funny side year uh, out of the Kentucky Derby. Uh, then also two prestigious uh, times he won the Bill Leggett Award. That's for Best Breeders' Cup Story. Now, you can imagine how many writers there are internationally at the Breeders' Cup. And for Tom to come away, not once but twice, in 2000 and 2004 for the Bill Leggett Award uh, is quite an achievement. And um, a little something special for him because Bill Leggett's from Saratoga and Tom Law's from Saratoga. And with me right now, I'm talking to Tom. How are you doing? John, I'm doing great. Uh, good to hear your voice and uh, good to be on the show. Oh, man, I'm so happy you said yes, because this time of year, as you know, I was an upstate New York boy myself. My brother worked at Saratoga, and I, would, uh, I was a little track rat when I was a kid. And, uh, but for somebody that has not been to Saratoga, and shame on you if you haven't and you're listening to the show, um, describe, well, first of all, you grew up in the city. So d- describe a little bit like what the town's like, but then how it changes as August comes around. Sure, yeah, Saratoga Springs, you know, kind of a sleepy little upstate New York town, at least, you know, when I was growing up, I'd say the population was maybe about 30,000, and then as you get on to, you know, late July, you know, you start to see a lot of horse fans coming to town, a lot of the stables start coming to town, there's a lot of the help around town, and you know, it might, a lot of people used to always say that the population doubled to around 60,000. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's an old, there's a lot of old Victorian homes in Saratoga, but, you know, there's sort of the good middle-class old neighborhoods like what I grew up in, and, you know, just kind of everybody just kind of is really tuned into the races, you know, like places like Churchill Downs and Keeneland, like people are really uh, racing enthusiasts, you know, but it's like the whole town, because it's such a small town versus Lexington or Louisville or, you know, some of the other big racing facility uh, cities. Saratoga, you know, it's just such a small place that, you either, either love the races or, you know, a lot of people are just kind of, like, turned off by it because cr- the, the traffic is kind of crazy. But, you know, every restaurant is geared up for it. All the restaurants are full, like, every almost every night of the week. And, you know, the people just turn out for the races. I mean, you're talking 20,000 average crowd per day for the whole 40-day season. Now, when did Tom Law start going to the races there? You know, that's funny. A lot of people always have, like, a really uh, memorable story about, like, the first time I ever went to the races was this year, and I bet on this horse, and I won. I really don't have really a good recollection of when I actually started going to the races. You know, it was probably, uh, you know, when I was a early teenager, maybe, you know. Uh, I, I was fortunate enough that my family had a house in the Adirondack Mountains, so I used to spend a lot of summers in the Adirondacks just kind of getting away from Saratoga. Right. My parents worked, and I just went up there and spent the summers with my grandparents. But, you know, I always remember being sort of tuned in to what was going on. And uh, I always remember Conquistador Cielo's uh, year that he ran in the Travers. That was like a big deal. Uh, he, he didn't win the Travers that year, but you know, they had all the winners of the Derby, the Preakness, and the Belmont in that year. So That's that right. Years. I was there that year. I, yeah. I've, got, I've got photos. I was standing right at the quarter pole. I took photos of all three of them. Yeah, so Runaway Groom, you know, is always, you know, I always kind of remember that year as kind of the maybe the year that I really kind of 
started to get hooked on racing and kind of following it and paying it, paying attention to it. You know, and it, of course it was a different era back then. You know, it wasn't simulcasting even, but there was a lot of racing on TV. And you know, I can always remember the, uh, watching the Harvey Pack show and you know watching the races from Belmont. Always kind of you could always watch the races at Saratoga. So you could go to the races. You know, I remember just. You know, maybe Naira doesn't want to hear me say this, but I used to sneak in like through the kitchen and stuff just to save your save your two bucks so you could have a, you know, it used to be two or three dollars to get in back then, just to save that so you could, you know, make a daily double bet or make a win bet on something. Of course, not even old enough to make a bet, but you know, you certainly find a way to do that too. Yeah, I can I can guarantee you that. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, and I remember, you know, there was the Saratoga Melons, and there was like Chicken Sadies, and there was just so many things about the track that were that were just so unique. And uh, you know, you had the Ancient Elms and the, the Man of War Fountain, uh, mm-hmm. and it just it was something that everybody looked forward to. I know you couldn't find anybody at work in Albany after noon on a Friday. <laughs> they were yeah, exactly. all up there. <laughs> that that yeah, I can and- guarantee you. Well, that's um, right. Now, so you, I know you went to school, I believe, in uh, in upstate New York at Cortland in the uh, SUNY did, system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, part of the SUNY system. I, uh, you know, communications major there, and uh, of course, I, I grew like I said, I grew up in Saratoga, and I ran cross country and track and field. You know, it's kind of big in that part of the country or that part of the state for whatever reason. So, you know, that fueled my competitive fire, I guess, uh, during the school year. And then I always remember my uh, my coaches. We would always have sort of summer practice would start before the school year and some friends of mine uh we'd always be reading the pink sheet and reading the racing form looking at the races for that day so because we knew we were going to go to the races after practice so um after a while the coaches had to start banning the pink sheet so i remember i I still run into those coaches in saratoga and uh in fact last summer i was up there going for a run in the saratoga state park and uh the coaches were like, this is the guy that we had to ban the pink sheet from practice. <laughs> so I guess my legacy still lives on in, in, in a small way up there. Well, you, you just let a word slip out that's legendary up at Saratoga, and that is the pink sheet. That was kind yeah. of the Bible of cappers. If you went up there and you didn't sleep with a racing form the night before, it was great to get the pink sheet. And as I understand, Tom Law is doing the pink sheet now? I am. I've actually. I still do the do daily selections uh, for the pink sheet. I've done it every year since 1995. Wow. Uh, my, my friends like to kid me. I, I think I've been the leading handicapper maybe two or three times. Uh, it, it's always hard to say because I'm down here in Lexington. Of course, they don't put the pink sheet selections on the internet because you know then they're not going to be able to sell the pink sheet at the track. Right. So sometimes I get a little hard to follow where I finish towards the end and. As you know, sometimes uh, some meets are, are really, really good, and some meets are really, really bad. So maybe sometimes when it's bad, you're not really paying attention too much. But, yeah, the pink sheet has uh, been a part of my life for for many, many years. I, I can remember just as a kid, uh, I never sold it myself, but I, I had some friends that were paper boys. Imagine a paper boy. I don't know if there's a paper boy that even exists today. But uh, they used to sell. The pink sheet used to come out after the races. So you would you would be able to to buy the pink sheet with the chart and the entries for the next day. Right. Or, you know, for you could buy it tonight for tomorrow's races. And uh, But they changed that after a while. The Saratogian uh, started putting it in the morning paper. Um, so when I worked at Saratogian, I kind of just, that was always what I wanted to do. So I always knew I wanted to be a horse racing rider. So fortunately, they let me do it. And, uh, you know, my career kind of went from there. I did I did that for four years when I, uh, when I lived there from 95 to 
to 98 when I came down here to Lexington, and then I was fortunate enough to be asked to keep making selections. So I guess I, I guess I did pretty good giving out some horses. I guess you did. I, I love hearing from people that, uh, you know, are, are living their bliss, you know, that uh, have, have managed somehow to turn the love of what they do into their career, and, and you're one of those people. Well, I, here's what we're going to do. We're going to head up a little bit. Uh, we've, got, we've got a short break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to break down a couple East Coast races. We're going to stop off in Pennsylvania, and then we're going to go out to the West Coast. But I'm going to share you one, sec- one uh, uh, Saratoga story with you. I went up there and, uh, and finally got to see the great secretariat run in, in, in the Whitney. And I figure, okay, where's he going? Okay, he's going to make his move down by the quarter pole. So I go down there. As you know, I was a fledgling f- photographer. And I sure. set myself up at the quarter pole, got there like three races ahead of time so nobody could elbow me out. And all of a sudden, they come around the turn and secretariat's making a move. And I take this great shot of onion passing <laughs> Secretariat <laughs> in yeah. the Whitney. And it was uh, a heartbreaking time. I thought, boy, I'm going to win the Eclipse Award with this picture. No. <laughs> now i got a sure big enough. old picture of Alan Jerkins' onion going around Secretariat. Yeah, <laughs> but, funny, uh, that you, funny that you had that story. I actually watched my favorite horse, uh, Deasy Goer, from that very same spot and when he won the Travers in uh, in 89. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I always remember that. And there, there was a horse named Clever Trevor that was in there that ran oh, second yeah. that I always kind of had a lot of respect for him, obviously, Donnie Von Hemel. We'll, we'll, we'll get to him. We'll talk a little bit about him in the, here in a little bit. But uh, I, always, I always remember watching the race in that spot. That's a good, great, place to watch, uh, great place to watch a race sometimes. Yeah, I used to go down there. There was a guy by the name of Cookie that used to hand out the overnights, and he'd go down there and sleep on a bench, you know, because he'd get up real early and hang things. I've got a great picture of Cookie. And uh, right. as a matter of fact, uh, there was a kid that used to run around there in a little derby. His name was Andy Serling. You ever heard of him? Sure. Oh, sure. It was Little Andy when he really was Little Andy. And I've got to <laughs> yeah. dig out my old black and white negatives because I've got pictures of him. And, of course, people listening right now will know Andy Serling, of course, is the uh, you know handicapper for Naira. Uh, blessed by Harvey Pack. Well, listen, we're going to take a yeah. quick break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to do some speed handicapping uh, everywhere from Saratoga to Del Mar. You're listening to Winning Ponies. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the triple crown breeders cup Travers, Haskell, or your daily races. Don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. 
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and back to the handicapping segment. You heard of the show L.A. Law. Tonight we're featuring Saratoga Law. That's right. You've been talking to Tom Law, listening to him talk about his childhood Saratoga and the fact that he's still involved with Saratoga on such a level that he's putting out the famed pink sheet. Well, I told you my story about uh, <laughs> Onion and Secretariat. Uh, they say he had a little cold, probably shouldn't have raced in that race anyhow. But it's the Whitney Invitational. Let's face it, it's one of the main races at Saratoga. It started in 28 with Black Mariah. You know, you've seen horses like uh, Tom Fool, Carry Back, Kelso, uh, Dr. Fager, uh, Ali Dar, Slew of Gold. Uh, you know, the list goes on of great, great horses that have won this race. I think it's going to be hard to say that one of the horses in here is going to be a racing great because there's so much parity in the three-year-old division this year. Or actually the older agree. division, I should Everybody's, say. Uh, I, I, know what you're, I know where you're going. Everybody's kind of knocking the handicap division, you know, and I think maybe rightly so. There hasn't been a lot of consistency. There hasn't been any horse that's just kind of showing themselves as a superstar either on the East Coast, the West Coast, or anywhere even in the Midwest. So, you know, when... When you have a lot of parity, obviously, then you end up with a big field, and you end up with a, a really competitive race here. You know, you got 11 horses in here. You know, much like the Coaching Club American Oaks a couple of weeks ago at Saratoga, which only had five horses, I felt like you could make a case for a lot of the horses in that race, all of them, really, and I feel like you can make a case for almost all the horses in here. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. again, you know, it's there's there's really not, you know, a, a, a superhero um out there, uh, certainly yeah. not in this field. All good, you know, solid horses. Uh, I, I would love to own any one of them, <laughs> you know. Sure. I mean, you've Absolutely. got millionaires in the field, but anybody can beat anybody in here. Just kind of give me a read on this race. You know, I'm not just asking for your top pick. I'm just saying, uh, how do you see it set up? As we talked off the air, the, the favorite could be easily 4-1. to one. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Tisway is a horse that's, that's attracted a lot of attention, uh, this spring and summer after running just a huge race in the Metropolitan Handicap. He actually, some of those horses you just mentioned, he actually ran faster than uh, some of those horses did in winning the Metropolitan Handicap. I mean, he just went 132 and 4. Which yeah, got a 113 buyer, yeah. Exactly. I mean, he, and he's just kind of the house horse. You know, he, trainer James Bond is a Saratoga guy and actually a, uh, a friend of mine, a great guy that I've known for all the years I've been doing this. And, uh, you know, Tisway was fourth in 2009 in the same race. He's actually he's going to attract a lot of attention, but you're going to have to go against the fact that he's one for eight at a mile and eighth. You know, he's probably a little bit more effective at at eight furlongs versus nine furlongs, which is the Whitney. But, you know, he's kind of a horse that has had a lot of physical problems throughout his life and throughout his career. Nothing really major to ever keep him away from the race for an extended amount of time. But uh, And, and now uh, Bond thinks he's got him you know exactly where he wants to be, and he kind of says he's, he wouldn't be running in there if he didn't think he could win. And then, like I said, he did actually win at the distance. Now, he, he's one horse that he ran. He was fourth in the 2009 edition of this race, you know, behind Bulls Bay, Macho Again, and Commentator. Are there any Bulls Bay, Macho Again, and Commentators in here? I think maybe so. I think, it's you know, he, he definitely fits in this group. I actually looked, when I start handicapping a lot of times, especially a track like Saratoga or even a track like Keeneland or Del Mar, 
uh, tracks that have a short meet that have maybe sort of a quirky racing surface. So one of the first things I look at is how the whole field has done in their previous races at Saratoga. So I can just kind of look down the list and just kind of, it ends up being a lot of the horses I settled on. Morning Line, there's only three horses in the race that have actually won at Saratoga. Morning Line's one of them. Headache is another one. And uh, Rodman is another one. He's a 20-to-1 shot. Headache two for is a 20-to-1 shot. Yeah, and, and Morning Line, is, uh, he, he won an allowance race out there uh, by a big margin last year, which a lot of times you might get fooled by a, a huge margin, depending on the competition. But, uh, you know, he, he ran that big race, and then he came back and actually ran a bang-up race in the Pennsylvania Derby. And then I loved him in the uh, Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile, and he actually, you know, maybe made the lead a little bit too early. It was a really fast pace in there, and he just got ran down by a big long shot at Dakota Phone. Um, he's actually my top pick in here. I, you know, I think in this kind of race, like, I, like we, you and I said off the air, I don't think you can settle on a short price in here. And I think the fact that he finished fifth last time out in the Salvatore Mile you know, should boost his price up a little bit. Now, he, you know, he did finish fifth in there after sort of showing speed and he kind of backed up through the field, which isn't a very good indicator. But I do like the fact that he's going to be reunited with John Velasquez, who, if you've been watching any of the Saratoga races, I mean, he is, you know, his uh, accomplishments speak for himself. I mean, he's obviously a world-class rider, but, I mean, he's really riding well up there at Saratoga. You know, even on, he's always, he's always very, very much a presence in a lot of the races because he rides for Todd Pletcher. But, he, I mean, he was riding, he's been riding for a lot of other guys, and he's just been killing them up there. Absolutely, um, batting 28%. But yeah. um, I, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards a horse that you haven't even mentioned here. I, I watched this horse break his maiden at Keeneland, and I said, he's going to be my derby horse, and that's mm-hmm. Mission Impassable. Um, yeah. I'm looking at the, kind of the pace of this race, and I think he looks like a horse that can just kind of stay off it. And you talk mm-hmm. about horses that like Saratoga. Well, he's never raced at Saratoga, but it sure looks like he's training well with a bullet work on July 17th. Uh, yeah. You know, he, he's been running against some uh, really good horses like, like First Dude and Apart. And Xavier Castellano, he's right behind Johnny V as far as uh, being in a groove up at Saratoga right now. He is, and this horse, is a, he's another one. He has a, you know, another angle that I really like is horses that are proven maybe at the distance that they're going. And he's, he's been very effective at going two turns, you know, all, all the way back to his, his race in the Louisiana Derby. I mean, he was just dead game in that race. And never worse than never worse than second at the distance. Well, let's stay at Saratoga, but we're going to move on here to the Grade One test for three-year-old fillies. And uh, Tom, give me a read on this one. Yeah, this race is a, it's always an interesting race. Always, usually a lot of gas early in the race, and you know sometimes it'll set it up for a front runner unless you have a horse that just is pure raw speed. You know that can just go all the way. You know, like a safely capped, or, or you know she's getting in the Hall of Fame here another. A week or so, but th- this race is a race that uh, the connection is a turbulent descent. Who's six to five on the line, uh, and deservedly so. You know they've been targeting this race ever since she won the Santa Anita Oaks. You know they purposely skipped the Kentucky Oaks with her. You know and uh, with a plan to run in the Beaumont, to plan to run the Acorn, plan to run in the Test, and those are their three primary targets. She actually won the Beaumont, going seven furlongs. She's actually two for two at seven furlongs. She, she is going to have to ship from California. She did ship from California. In her last start, she ran in the Acorn, which she caught a floppy track there at Belmont Park on Belmont Stakes Day, and she got beat by It's Tricky. Well, It's Tricky, you know, flattered her with a win in the coaching club. So I, I definitely think it's turbulent defense race to lose. I, you know, not to give out too much chalk, 
Uh, no, but I don't blame you. And quite frankly, yeah. I'm on the same boat boat as as you are here. I mean, yeah. uh, to run second, to, it's tricky. The way she came back and, and ran is certainly no disgrace. Well, we're getting up against time here, and I want to know uh, who you like in West Virginia. I find it kind of interesting. It looks like the horses to beat be coming in from California with uh, Joe Talamo and Rafael Bayrano. Tell me if you agree. That's right. Yeah, I definitely think those are the two horses to beat. Uh, you know, the number one horse, Frere for Relief. Trainer Bob Baffert's barn. I mean, Bob Baffert is just hitting on all cylinders no matter where he runs. He won the half goal last weekend. He's got this horse that come, comes out of the Iowa Derby um, and just ran a huge race. The horses that run in those Iowa Derby races, they'll surprise you um, and, and run big, big races all over the all over the country. And then number eight, Dreamy Kid with Joe Talamo. A little bit untested on the dirt, but trained by Neil Drysdale, certainly a Hall of Fame trainer, knows what he's doing. Got a dirt pedigrees by Lemon Drop Kid, who actually won the Whitney. And, and he beat Coyle last time out, and Coyle came back and won the half goal. So that's the key. You know, I think that's I definitely the key think right there. Prayer, prayer for relief, I think, is the key. He's going to be kind of right off the pace. He might be able to hit that good trip, breaking from the rail, so he should be able to save the ground. Usually, the the inside paths at Mountaineer usually do pretty good. All right, Tom, I'm up against the clock. We got to go out to the West Coast so we don't see East Coast bias here. Delmar, the Clement Hirsch, a Grade One, going to be going a mile and a sixteenth. Who you like? Well, this race, you know, got really interesting when they supplemented Zazu. She's a three-year-old filly by Tappet. It looked like she was going to run in the Alabama at Saratoga. Uh, so she's a three-year-old going against older horses. The horse I actually like is just to her, her outside, a uh, filly named Switch. Bingo. Who, uh, you know, got a little bit of second-itis in her last two starts, three starts, but two I of those were, were behind Blind Luck and Havard and Grace, who <laughs> obviously are the two best uh, fillies and mares in training this year. And, uh, you know, so certainly no uh, no slouch there. She's actually got a win at Del Mar. Another handicap angle with Del Mar. Got to use a horse that's done well at Del Mar. It's kind of a quirky poly track out there. Absolutely. Well, I'm in step with you right there. Uh, I think Switch is the one to beat. Good luck to Zazu facing her elders. Tom Law can't help but thank you enough for being with me. You are a font of knowledge. I, I, I hope you, you'll come back on Winning Ponies with us sometime in the near future, and I look forward to see you in person at a racetrack near us. I sure will. I look forward to it, and uh, thanks for having me, John, and good luck to everybody at the races this weekend. All right. Well, listen, I want to thank everybody at Winning Ponies, uh, my producer, uh, Matt Widener, who helped me uh, through the bumpy road the first time out. So from the top of the grandstand at River Downs, overlooking the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky, good luck, everybody. Remember, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.